When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome to the podcast. We're joined by Dean Young, but is it Dean Young and Friends, or what's the name of your podcast? Oh, uh, yeah, the full name's Forever Young with Dean Young and Friends, so now it's just Forever Young, pretty much. Okay. It's a mouthful. That's a mouthful, that whole thing. But then there's, you're like the podcast master. You don't just have the one. (laughs) You've got, there's also a network. Yeah, Talkhole Podcast Network. We have... I think 25 shows on there now as of this spring. We got some new ones coming out in the next couple of months. Wow. Some ones we've uh, picked up in uh, other cities across Canada, other comedy hubs. So yeah, it's growing. So that's the the, the genre of it cuz I've seen you've had some quite yeah. some guests through your your studios. Yeah, we have like we get a lot of like, actors plugging stuff, a lot of musicians. It's kind of like every hour there's it's like a Robert Altman movie. There's just like different crews of people coming in. Yeah. But yeah, the main sort of flavor of all the shows on the network is definitely comedy. But then they break down into like, you know, there's dating shows, there's sex shows, there's improv and sketch shows, there's like inside Canadian showbiz shows. So it's, yeah, runs the gambit of a little bit of everything for sure. Is Fleshlight still a sponsor? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had to I had to slow clap that when I saw it. <laughs> yeah, they're, uh, I actually emailed them today before I came here to do this. Yeah, we're uh, married with them pretty tight. They, um... I almost said married pretty tight. I don't even know I, you that can means. say married pretty tight. <laughs> that that makes sense for flashlight too. Uh, yeah, they they picked up a specific show on our network called The Rude Dudes, um, which just seems like a good marriage for sure. And they do some other stuff network wide. They were sort of our first big national sponsor when we st- when we started this thing, and they're great to work with. Yeah. And obviously, it's fun. It's fun to plug those on comedy shows. Yeah, it's not hard to give them their mentions, I bet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The comics <laughs> love it. Uh, Do you get, like, low down on product information? Like, before a new Jenna Jameson brand flashlight <laughs> comes out, do you get it shipped to you so you can test it out? We do, yeah. No uh, way. Yeah, it's funny. I uh, I live in a bachelor house. There's, like, two. <laughs> me and my roommate are both bachelors. And there's just always just boxes of flashlights being sent to the house <laughs> that I bring into the studio and I give out at live shows and stuff. What, what happens when it's date night? When one of the single dudes in the bachelor house decides to, to go out with a woman? And yeah. You know, what, what happens when he brings her home and she sees all these flashlights? I think for me, I can't speak for him. Well, I guess he has a girlfriend now anyways. So I guess I'm the bachelor now that I think about it. <laughs> and for me, I mean, yeah, everyone knows what's up and that I'm t- tied together with flashlights. So... I don't really sweat it, but uh, I did the first time they sent them back when I was still with an ex. They first sent me the first shipment of flashlights, and I cracked open the first box and I asked her if we could do the Pepsi challenge, which uh, <laughs> didn't go over great. No, <laughs> don't imagine it would. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, they're definitely a lot of fun. It's a weird thing to hand out at live shows for sure to hand someone a flashlight. What kind of reactions do you get on that? People just think it's hilarious for the most part. And I found it's a lot of like, if there's couples out at a show, it's usually like the the girlfriend or the wife or whatever that's 
wants to like if we're doing like a draw or something for flashlights or like getting people to guess something a comic set or whatever and giving these things out the girlfriend or wife it probably because they're like oh god that means i don't have to take care of it now yeah he's <laughs> self-sufficient yeah that's right and we could keep it on like next to the red handy box in yeah the, in the storage closet where we keep all the hammers and new tools and stuff no one will know it's just a flashlight yeah it's just like uh here it is funny some of the new ones that they come out with too like there, there was one called the quick shot and it's basically like the water wing version of a flashlight. Like it's a short compact version and it's just, it's like, there's no, there's no backing on it. Like, cause the most of them have like a back on it. There's like a valve and stuff. <laughs> we can break down the science of that, but this one's just a shorter one. And the way they, they describe it on the packaging is it has an unobstructed exit point for a quick release. So I guess you just Jackson Pollock the walls of your sad apartment with this. So you can you can you can fire one off. Yeah. At something. At something. Yeah, yeah. You can take aim with it if you're so inclined. That's <laughs> I, I gotta get me one of those actually. It's fun. Like where? Hopefully the monkeys at the zoo don't get a hold of those. Yeah. <laughs> I always just wonder. I have to ask them. I always just wonder like how this thing was invented. Like what? Who? Who made the first one? Like how did someone? The same Put that with, together. Like the first monkey that got AIDS kind of thing. Like one person yeah. had to have fucked a monkey somewhere. Yeah. Somebody fucked a flashlight and said, damn it, I need this to be slightly more comfortable than what a real flashlight fucking yeah. experience is. I feel like, or it's just like maybe some widower or something had like a, I don't know, like an empty paper towel roll and maybe tossed like a, <laughs> one of those dishwashing gloves in there, stapled it to the lining and then just went from there. I remember as a kid, actually, I mean, you, you fuck all sorts of crazy shit when you're a kid. Oh, yeah, for sure. I remember fucking a uh, like a plastic water bottle, but it wasn't like <laughs> it had a wider opening. All right. Just for the record. It yeah, a, it was a wide opening plastic bottle. But I did that shit. It yeah, was, that's well, like a that's like a Stone Age fleshlight. There was I remember there was uh do you remember the sh Jonathan Torrance had that show Jonavision? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Right? And I remember they had somebody on there. It was probably like uh, whatever our doctor Ruth was. What was her name? Doctor Sue, the sex lady. Oh, a Sunday Canadian night sex one. with Sue. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was her on there, and she was talking about how teenagers can use. You take like a Ziploc bag, and you just put like oil in it or something, and you sandwich it between your mattress and your uh, box spring, and you bang that thing. I, my brother did that. I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He took the Sunday sex tips. He did off of John Vision. I for <laughs> me, it was pool jets at swimming lessons. I would just be the kid hanging off the side of the pool. <laughs> no way. Oh yeah, just that was it. That was like a built-in. Yeah, that was probably the weirdest thing I banged for sure. <laughs> as a child, anyway. As a child, yeah, yeah. 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 Now as an adult, maybe we won't go into detail. Yeah, I tried the flashlight once, and that was about it. Really, yeah. you have an. I guess when you have an unlimited supply, it's kind of laissez-faire. It's like, yeah. yeah, it's not as. <laughs> It's not as exciting. <laughs> Plus, I just want to give them out. Uh, yeah. I tried one once because like, comics kept on asking me. They're like, do you, oh man, do you like keep one of those? Do you, you just use all the different ones? I was like, no, I've never even tried. So finally, I caved one time and I tried it. But I didn't do all the prep. You're supposed to like soak it in warm water and all this stuff. And like, there's all this prep to have the full, you know, the full experience, I guess. But I was on my way to a show. I didn't have time for that. So I just sort of tossed one in there and <laughs> it was fine. Unless they end up listening. It was great. I remember one time I uh, I had a date and before said date I decided yeah. to blow one out to clean the pipes. Right? Oh yeah, didn't have the flashlight back then. Yeah, 
But guess what happened? You know how afterwards you get kind of nappy, you get a little sleepy, yeah. right? That's just human nature, physiology. It's true, yeah. Fell asleep and missed the date. No. Yeah. <laughs> From being getting prepared for the date. Yeah, yeah. Did you get a call back? Like what? I got to see her again. Oh, you did. Uh, but it it didn't go anywhere. Didn't go well. But previous to that, it was almost like a booty call situation. Uh, okay. Where where it was like, yeah, okay, I'll come see you as soon as you're done your shift at the bar. Wink, oh, wink, yeah. which means we're just going to go and fuck. Yeah. Oh, but, yeah, bar shift for sure. Yeah, after a bar shift. But then I slept through it. And then the next time it was like, oh, yeah, well, why don't we just meet up for some poutine after I'm done work? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it got downgraded. Yeah, I got downgraded just having to sit and watch her eat poutine. Yeah, it which j- was turned not into a- an actual hangout. Was it smokes poutine at least? I'm trying to think. That of- stuff's a good time in the mouth. No, it was a no name. <sighs> it was it was near Hess Village in Hamilton. See? Okay, there was a smoke. Where there. there was a smokes. Yeah, yeah. But it was something else, like the off Broadway smokes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the off, off brand smokes. Yeah. Actually, yeah, because I left while well, we, we used to work. We used to do radio together in the Hammer, rock yes. radio. Yeah, now that we're talking about Hamilton, Hess yeah, Village, yeah. Right, no, well, you can localize it. But when we wor- worked there, right before I left, actually, the smokes poutine opened up. Right. And I remember that summer, I kept on seeing the t shirt everywhere. And I didn't know what it was. I thought it was like, I thought all these t-shirts were like early 80s David Letterman. That's what this logo looks like. And I just thought like, oh, these people are wearing like ironic David Letterman shirts. Letterman hipsters. Yeah, Letterman hipsters in Hamilton for some reason. I was going to say, if it happened anywhere, it would be uh, like James North in Hamilton. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And that's all I thought was going on. And then I found out about this poutine place, which is delicious, by the way. See how many people I'm trying to get to spot. Yeah, seriously. But I'm doing it on your show. Yeah, hang on a second. I want Smokes as a sponsor. Yeah, there you go. It's on yours, so they'll just do that yeah, instead. Right. Or actual smokes, like Belmonts or something. Oh, that'd be nice. <laughs> Can you do... Well, yeah. There's no CRTC in podcasting. That's nope. great. No, nope, no, nope. We're free to uh, have anybody... Wait, 420 Kingston's a sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Volcano vaporizer in, in studio here. Uh, so I don't see why, you know, Philip Morris couldn't... If you, you know what, to. I'm going to hit them up. I have no, I have no problem with doing that at all. Uh, but <laughs> I, yeah, I bought one of those smokes t-shirts too that summer. Really? Oh yeah, I had to. They were great. I did a face swap with the smokes guy. Did you really? Yeah. <laughs> it was as creepy as all the other creepy face yeah. swaps. Everyone's got one now with something. I know. I'm really, I tr- I just tried one a few weeks ago. I was back home doing some shows for, for a week and I'm visiting the family at Easter and stuff. And that's the first time I actually tried that. That was the first time I actually knew because it's on Snapchat. Snapchat, yeah. yeah. That was the first time I'd seen Snapchat at all. Yeah, I was way behind on this, and I thought it was hilarious. I think Snapchat is the funniest thing. I haven't gotten bored of it yet. Uh, it's also really creepy. Yes, like some of the stickers or like some of the modes on there are just horribly creepy. I find very Lynchian. The only reason I got into Snapchat in the beginning yeah. was somebody said, "Hey, you know, you can follow naked chicks on there, right?" Oh, I guess so, yeah. You can follow like porn stars or yeah. whoever you want to get in on it. That's true. Um, I and like you, I was late to the Snapchat bandwagon. Yeah. Uh, and I've mentioned this on a previous podcast, but I figured my first uh snap should have been a dick pic because that's what everyone you know, anything that's good always yeah. started at porno. The internet started with porno. That's, that's true. how it got popular. So Snapchat yeah. had to start the same way. So I thought that's that true. I would 
stick my thumb through the zipper hole of my pants. Oh, the classic. And yeah, yeah just do that. It's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That old chestnut. Yeah, ha yeah. ha, Chris. You know, everybody has a good <laughs> laugh and moving on. You don't see it often enough anymore, though. You can bring it I back. Think, yeah. But there was, you know, Someone who didn't know me that well, who Uh-oh. had me on Snapchat, because you just add everybody on Facebook. Yeah. They got offended. Then I had to send out, I got paranoid, and I sent out this Facebook message. Look, that wasn't my dick. That was just my thumb. Sorry. You know, and everybody wrote back, and like, who the fuck was offended by that? Yeah, really. <laughs> There's always someone, though. There's always someone, for sure. Yeah. That's a classic, though. You don't see that very often anymore. Or the, remember the Air Jordan? When you are a kid? So you moons like you have your ass hanging out, but then you let your T-shirt cover it, and then you yeah. jump up and do an, a slam dunk. That's me every day. Yeah? That's me reaching to the top cupboard. Yeah, well, fair enough. Just, Ex- I don't have an ass. Exposing some ass. My yeah. pants don't stay up. Yeah. Just a slit that blends into my back, and it's like, I, <laughs> it I, could. I've lost 125 pounds. That's true. But I didn't gain an ass. I still have no ass. It's just this flat thing. Hey, man, that's what happens. I don't think I have much of one either. And I was like 300 pounds in high school. Were you? Yeah, yeah. yeah I did yeah. not. Because you've always been a thin dude since I'd known since you. Since I've known you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's true. No, yeah. Way back, uh, it must have just been a lot of baby fat. Just like a whole other person of baby fat. <laughs> it took 20 years to burn it yeah. up. Yeah, it was a slow burn. I was marinating under there. You said you were back home in Thunder Bay. That yeah. was That's your hometown, yeah? Yeah, so I went up there and did some shows. Uh, it had been a couple of years. I did a tour up there a couple of years ago. I brought two comics from down here with me who were actually from Thunder Bay. Oh, okay. And they also lived here, so we did like this homecoming thing. You ever tried taking a Toronto comic who doesn't know what Thunder Bay is like to Thunder Bay? You know what? I would love to actually. There's an Australian comic. He lives here in Canada. He's been in here in Canada for a long time. Uh, Garrett Clark, he was just up there doing some shows for a few days. Uh so there's like this Thunder Bay comedy community page or whatever you can go in. So I wrote on there, I was like, oh, how's my hometown treating you, Garrett Clark? And he, he said, great, thanks, Dean. And he posted this picture of like him in a sports bar with like three people in it. <laughs> Just the the classic turnout. But uh, I, I, had a, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm from there. Um, we like we had sellout show. It was great. Same with a couple of years ago when I went up. They sort of roll out the red carpet for you. I think because it's your hometown too, yeah, right? Yeah. So like all the local radio and stuff like that. And it's great. Like there were people at those shows literally that I hadn't seen since high school, which was nuts. Cause it's like, I was doing this hour of stuff from the past year for like this album I want to do coming up and everything. And, you know, so a lot of it was like life stuff, life stuff that happened to me last year and shit like that. It's a weird way to like, catch up with people you went to high school with kind of is like you saying this stuff on stage and then afterwards you go have a beer with them and then they wanted they poke calls and say well what was real about that and what yeah. wasn't yeah that's the thing about dean young and if you have him on facebook <laughs> you probably know is like you take the most horrific life experiences yeah. and their jokes yeah. Jokes, jokes, jokes. Like you just went through like a breakup in like, yeah, like yeah. the last year. Yeah, last fall. So yeah. So like not even a year. Yeah, yeah. And there's at least one status a day that's self <laughs> self depra- It's true. Yeah. I I don't I guess that's like that's the job, right? Like it was funny too though, because I was such an open book last year, like not just on stage, but like during the actual early on sort of rough stages, and now it's just a running joke and certainly in Toronto comedy, but I think pretty much, pretty much everywhere in the comedy scene. Now it's like a known thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's sort of the job. I remember at first, like when all that stuff sort of went down, 
Uh, I took a trip home that time. I wasn't doing shows. I just took a trip home, go see my family and stuff. Mm-hmm. It was my nephew's first birthday at the time. So I thought I'll get away from the city for a few days, cancel some shows and just go, you know, do that. But I mean, right away, I'm like sitting there on the plane writing jokes about this stuff. Cause in the back of my head, like that's the job, right? So whatever's going on around you or in your life, like the first thing you have to do is like, well, I got to figure out how to go talk about this on stage. But then people really ate it up. Like, yeah. you know, any radio shows I went and did and stuff like that, that's all, that's what everybody wanted to talk about. Yeah. I don't know. I can't blame them for sure. How much was, uh, was there tears of a clown behind some of that though? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, it was an interesting roller coaster that people watched closely. Cause I think at first it was just like, just pure sad. There was no jokes. And then I started talking about it on stage and talking about it at shows and, and honing it too. Like I remember the first, the very first show I came back to Toronto and started doing jokes about it. So a couple of the comics came up to me afterwards and they were just like, that was dark. Cause it was like 20 minutes of this stuff. Cause before that I was always known as sort of the like, Hey guys, life's perfect. You know, yeah, yeah. I'm doing like half an hour of just like, here's my perfect oh, dream life. Yeah, what's the deal with girlfriends that text you too much? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just like, Oh, mortgages. Hey guys. Oh, my dream house, <laughs> stuff like that. So it was like, it was such a shift in tone. And it's funny now, like in the last little while, so many comics have been, saying that to me they're like wow like you've really changed and it's opened you up a bit like this all this sort of life stuff Mm -hmm. that happened which is true because i mean similar things were going on when i first started in stand-up and it's just like you roll with whatever happens in your life and you turn that into material like even like especially you know the last half a decade that i've been here in toronto everything that's significant that's happened in my life good or bad or whatever just the regular ups and downs of adulting you know going into your 30s and stuff like that i've just always used that as just sort of a catalyst to sort of get to the next place in comedy that's always been my first goal and my first which it it will it'll almost sound cold to some people probably but i mean that's that's the life you know like if you're doing this it's like it's in your blood and you get accepted into this weird community this sort of a community world. full of misfits who are equally as weird as you are. That's the thing, you know, like we all have, I have, when I first moved here, a big, a big part of that was, or when I first at least left home, like I left home when I was like 19 or 20 and moved around a lot. But a big reason behind that was like my college friends, right? My friends that I went to film school with and stuff. And they're still around, of course, you know, most of them are married and have kids and stuff like that, but they're still around and we see each other. But at first, I think it took a lot of getting used to for everyone to be like, wow, you're really absorbing yourself into this world, into this stand-up scene, right? But it's because you find your pack of animals, like you find your community. Because this, these are the people who are wired the same as me yeah. in a way that my other friends and family just aren't, you know? And it's and I'll, and I've brought friends of mine to certain like award shows and stuff like that or tapings, and they would sort of, sort of start to get it along the way. They're like, okay. Yeah, yeah. These are like... I get why you roll with these cats. Yeah, like you relate to them in a way you don't relate to everybody else. You know, it's just... I remember when I first started stand-up and, you know, you're just like grinding it out and grinding it out, especially when you come to this city or any any big hub like this. Toronto's know? intimidating. Toronto is a as huge... A new, as a new Torontonian, it's yeah, very intimidating. It is, and, and it has such a huge amount of, of shows and independent stuff going on and, and even like, you know, late night open mics and stuff. And I remember when I was first start when I first started doing it when I first came here and started uh, getting to know this stand up scene in Toronto. I'm just out every night, right? Like you're out every night, just running around, hitting as many shows as you can. I remember my mom was like, "Comedy stealing my son." 
But now they get it, right? Now yeah. they're like, this is your world, is what and you do. And there's two or three shows a night you can do oh, yeah. at a deli or a laundromat it's, yeah. or wherever. It's insane. I've had so many weird ones over the years and so many of these weird shows that came and went. Uh, but it, it's, it was such an exciting thing, I remember, though, when you first come here. And I think it's... I think Toronto especially intimidates a lot of comics coming here from other, like, let's say Ottawa or something, mm. where it's kind of like you have the two clubs there, the two chain clubs. Yeah, and you wait for your your open open mic night yeah. to get your spot, yeah. and that's your spot that week. Exactly. And then you sort of, you know, you get to know the people at those clubs, and then you end up getting stage time there, and everything sort of revolves around that. Whereas when you come here to Toronto, if you're a comic from somewhere else, you're going to be hitting a lot of mics where you're literally just talking to a room full of other comics, and a lot of them are just sitting in the back of the room on their phones or writing shit down because they're just waiting to go up and do their time. Yeah. And or I think that's daunting for a lot of people at first. Or if they've seen you before, they all just get up and go up for a smoke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. They're just like, oh, yeah, I know this. And then you feel like they're judging you, yeah. too. Like, what are they writing on their phone right now? You're, like, You've got, you're supposed to be working on your punchline, but you're worried about what that guy's texting in the back. For sure, yeah. And I, <laughs> This guy sucks. Yeah, and it's like... But then it's this exciting thing where you start to know everybody and you yeah. start to cultivate these friendships. Yeah, that's just personal anxiety of not knowing sure. people, you know? Yeah, and I mean, when I first originally came here, I just threw myself whole hog into that world and just, like, that was my main thing, you know? And now it's just, now that's my community. So when life stuff goes on, like last year or whatever, those were also some of the first people calling me up and checking in and stuff like that and just seeing how I was doing and roasting me too. Like oh, that's, yeah, yeah. You know, that's like, to, that's the pat on the back in comedy is like if we could go up and burn the shit out of each other on stage and then slap each other on the back and hug it out afterwards because that's the secret handshake. Yeah. You know, that's that's what that world is. I love it. Yeah, I love blood, it. Bloods and Crips have like blood in, blood out. Yeah. We have roast in, roast out. Exactly. Yeah, that's that whole world. And it's great, man. It's like... Again, just because we're all a little bit messed up and that's why we do this, I guess. But it's medicinal too. You oh, know? for sure it is. It for sure is. And plus, we're all vapid pieces of shit anyways. <laughs> we love the attention even yeah, if it's bad. Yeah. yeah. There's no such thing as bad PR. I shit on the rug all the time to get the missus to pay attention to me. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. it's Yeah, there's no such thing as too much attention as a comic unless you bring on negative attention on yourself. You know, yeah, it's yeah, a totally different thing. If you go up and have say the wrong thing or have some sort of a meltdown on stage or pull like a Michael Richards or something, then uh, you're, you're going to get some attention. That's not uh, good. Yeah. Some yeah. Un- unwanted. So yeah. Unwanted yeah. attention. Yeah. But I don't know. That's the world, man. But it's, it is, it is crazy for sure coming here and, and just seeing how much actually happens, how much of a comedy yeah. scene there is here. It's nuts. The green room podcast is powered by 420 Kingston and 420 session lounge and micro shop. You mentioned getting intimate and you went through that sort of change, whatever. That's the hardest thing for me to do is to get intimate with, with a radio audience, with a podcast audience, with a crowd. I have a tough time exposing myself on social media sometimes, you know, uh, uh, like even just writing a simple status on my personal page. Yeah. It's not, that's not a joke. (laughs) It's not on the fan page. It's not on Twitter. Just a status about how my day or my life is going. I can't do it, man. But you know what? There's it's something so to be hard. said for that, too. Like, I mean, yeah, in stand-up, I'll always be kind of an open book, obviously. But it's always about myself. Like, I've talked yeah. about this in some interviews and stuff. Like, even when you're going through something like, let's say, a breakup, right? Like, mm. as a comic, of course you're going to be talking about that stuff. But I think for me, the important thing, too, was I was talking about it from my perspective, 
So right. I was I was I was pointing the the missiles at myself. You know, it was about mm-hmm. like, oh shit, I'm crashing on my friend's couch. Oh shit, this is happening. I'm doing material about that. I'm not using it as like a weapon that I'm pointing at somebody right. else. You know. Um, but I think one of the biggest things for sure was because I was such an open book during that time off stage as well. I, uh, I think I took that lesson from it. So, I mean, I'll still always be talking about things on stage as they're happening, but I think I'll probably that sort of life stuff. I might keep a little bit closer to the chest now, you know, next time I'm in, let's say a relationship of that magnitude or whatever it ends up being, you know, like, I think that was one thing I took away from that was like. You know, you let too many people in and you forget too, who's in on what, who's in on what. And like, I have a public page, you know, on Facebook and stuff, it's a public and you forget how many people have access to this, right? Like I have, it's wide open. It's a public, it's like a website, you know? And it was just, this stuff was just out there nonstop. So I think now it'll be more about like bringing it to the stage, but as far as personal life, like I'll probably be a little bit more guarded with that Mm. stuff. I mean, not that I have anything like that going on right now anyways, but yeah, yeah, you know, I'll probably... <laughs> He's single, ladies. I'm single, ladies. <laughs> perpetually single. But uh, I don't know. It's funny. I remember all these comics asking me, they were like, so what did you learn from that? What was your lesson from that? And I, at the time, I was like, I don't know, nothing. Things suck sometimes. I don't know. But now, in retrospect, yeah, I would probably just be a little bit more sort of guarded with that stuff. And Because, again, you're trying to cultivate a public image too, right? Of course. So... You you want to let people in on your life a little bit and you want to sort of, and again, as a comic, if you're high at your highest highs or your lowest lows, what you're talking about is going to reflect that because it's Big part time. of the job, you know, it should be. But yeah, I think just sort of being more selective with that stuff probably. Um, but hey, who knows? We'll see. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's, that's probably my goal for sure. As far yeah. as that stuff goes. You're, Dean's trying to scale back a little bit. I'm trying to rev myself up a bit and get a little more intimate. Yeah, you want to share more. Online, yeah, I do. You know, that's something we've done here on the podcast the last, I don't know, maybe five episodes. I do a prologue where it's just me talking. Yeah. And and uh, Craig, who used to do the podcast with us back in Kingston, said, you got to get more intimate, man. I'm like, what do, you, what do you want me to talk about? You want me to talk about how I'm in a long-distance relationship? I have a, I've rent to pay in two cities, and it fucking sucks. Yeah, that's got to be rough. And I can't get a job in Toronto because broadcasting is going down the fucking shitter. <laughs> like, what do you want me? He's like, yeah, talk about that. Say what you just said to me on microphone, which is and true, I did. Yeah. That was the very first prologue podcast, which yeah. was called "A Tale of Two Cities." If you want to go back in the archives, and how did it, it feel? It felt great actually yeah. to talk about it. It felt great to express my frustration because I felt. Uh, like I wasn't able to talk about it, especially yeah. in, in Kingston, where I'm a morning radio personality. I was, uh, you know, like I didn't want to alarm anyone mm-hmm. in the city. Like, oh my God, Chris is plotting to leave. Like, you know, like, I, I, and in my mind, that's what it's like. But everyone's like, oh yeah, well, Chris is in love and he wants to get to Toronto. Yeah, it's not not n- nobody's world is ending. But in my head, it was like all yeah. of a sudden there's, you know, the local hockey team's going to call me out on Twitter and say, he's a traitor. You know, like these are the things that go on in my crazy yeah, head. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, and it's, yeah, broadcasting, especially in Toronto, it, uh, man, it's so frustrating to break into that way because, yeah, you've, you've built this in Kingston. You're a known, you've cultivated, like you have a really good pedigree in radio, yeah. you know, and then you come to Toronto and it's like. I'm one of a million. You're one of a million. And also it's like th- the same people kind of get hired for shit because it's like that little 
not clique, but like, yeah, they just turn over the set. Like Blondell got picked up by Sportsnet yeah, yeah, after exactly. being let go from, you know, like the same people just sort of resurface. And I'm sure there were some people, and, and I've met Dean, and I think he's not this Dean, Dean Blondell. Yeah, Blondell. I've met him. He's a great dude. Mm-hmm. I have so much respect for him. Yeah. But I think a lot of people thought after that thing went down at the edge, He's never going to fucking get work again. I thought it was going to be he a couple didn't pull of a Gomeshi, so yeah. there you go. <laughs> yeah. That guy hopefully will not get picked up again, I would assume, but yeah. He's the new OJ Simpson. Everyone fucking knew he did it. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Oh my god, yeah. And then he 5 years from now he could write a book saying, "I didn't do these things, but if I did, here's he's, how I would have done them." He's trying to find the real strangler yeah. out there. <laughs> could you imagine like how did the how did how did OJ Simpson get away with that? Writing a book, being like, "Well, I didn't kill anybody, but if I did, here's how I would have." Like, he's just thumbing his nose at everyone at what that point. Publisher, right? Isn't like, that brilliant? Who would do that. It's great. Oh, there's always someone's always willing to pick up that kind of stuff. Paul Bernardo had a book that yeah. was like on Amazon, and then it got pulled because people protested, and obviously. So you quit your? Have you quit or you're yeah. you're about to? You're quitting, time, quitting your day job as a a writer producer for radio. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, depending when this airs, at the time of recording, I have three weeks left. Three weeks left at the day gig, uh, and then yeah, as of this summer, I'm a free agent, just out there wow. doing you know comedy and auditions and all that, all the million things that you have to do to sort of latch together into like one cohesive career because you, you put it on your facebook and i was like no no he's joking no yeah <laughs> no way he quit i finally actually <laughs> did it because I, I think people were just like hey man just do it you know and certainly my agent and stuff like that was like you just you have to do because they were also probably sick of me going nope can't do this one nope can't do this because i'm in this office for eight nine hours a day right it was funny i wasn't sure how on board people would be you know, in my camp, in my personal camp, like phoning up my family and stuff mm-hmm. like this, just be like, hey, here's what I'm doing. My I, parents would freak if I told them that. I told them, and you know what? They both could not be more on board. That's been the response from everybody. I think because people know where my heart's at, and, and I've been at this for a long time, you know, and it was sort of like the one last piece of the puzzle holding me back. You know, there's so many things you can do, and there's so many things I work on already why not get rid of that one element that's sort of holding you back, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's not like I'll be leaving radio. Like, I'll still be on shows all the time and stuff like that. And and the podcast network was born out of that. So if anything, I feel like I'm sort of dedicating myself more to that. Because, I mean, I'm getting rid of, like, the gig where I'm writing for other people instead of myself, you know? It's kind of full circle because that's... Originally, that's how I got into stand-up was because I was writing all this comedy stuff for other people. And eventually I was like, well, it doesn't make sense to be a comedy writer and not at least try it on stage at night. You yeah, know, I wrote stupid bits. Do that. Wrote stupid bits for Chris and Hamilton. I can do that for myself. That's right. Yeah, we used to do stuff on your <laughs> show and on the morning show. Like, yeah. So I mean, I was yeah. I was doing this at rock stations for years, right? And that's how that was my sort of how I got into stand up originally. I was like, well, I should be doing this stuff for myself, you know. So now it's kind of going full circle. Sometimes you just have to pull that trigger, man. You just have to do it. Don't tempt me. Right? <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like if I didn't if I didn't do it now, I sort of was handed this this sort of window in life in the past year of like, okay, sh- I could shake things up here, you know? I don't have certain commitments and stuff like that to have to worry about. I only have my I'm accountable for myself and that's it, you know? So I just thought it's time. The timing was right, so we'll see. Will I be homeless, <laughs> homeless by the end of the summer? We'll find out. We'll do a follow-up podcast in a few months and yeah. see how it's going. Uh, lucky for me, I already live in the beaches, so I could just... 
oh. a few months of just sleeping on the beach. It, would... Man, if there's a place to be homeless in the summertime in Toronto, that would be the place. The beaches, man. It's great. So, well, yeah, it's like my own little taste of California. <laughs> California, Ontario, instead of Ontario, California, which is actually an actual town anyways. Dean Young, hanging out with us here on the Green Room Podcast. Thanks for swinging by, pal. This has been Thanks a lot, a lot of fun. Thanks a lot, man. And, Good catch up. Uh, yeah, great catching up. And I, I think we should redo this. I think I, you said I'm welcome to come over to your podcast. We'll get you in the studio thing. for sure, man. Absolutely. Awesome. Now that we have you here in the city. It's great to be, uh, I guess, a Torontonian at least 50% of the time. And uh, excited to be linking up with all the uh, proper villains in this city, such oh, as yeah. yourself. So Yeah, yeah. We'll get you out to some mics, get you in the studio. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. And uh, can I get a flashlight? We'll <laughs> get you a flashlight for sure. I should have brought one. Yeah. I should have brought one. Because you, you know what? I'm, I'm no stranger to bringing flashlight bags with me across town on the subway. You're like St. Nicholas of flashlights. Like, you, know you just drop them in people's mailboxes. There was a Christmas show last year at Comedy Bar where I had to be, I was scumbag Santa. <laughs> handing out flashlights and scumbag Santa had a couple of uh, beverages that night listeners and, and ended up making out with a young lady at the bar. Well, everyone chanted dinner and was slapping the tables right after handing out flashlights to people. So it's a wonderful product that brings out the best in you. I feel like <laughs> Dean young, check out the talk hole podcast network yeah. and forever young with Dean young and friends and friends. Sometimes there's one, sometimes there's multiple. It is your favorite girl. That's right. It's the Ali Mars, the one and the only. Everyone else just ain't me. I am the host of Welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating and have transformed the new vibe to all things lifestyle. We still talk sex, but I'm more interested in the journey, where people have come from, how they made it, and where they're going. Subscribe or follow to a brand new look and a brand new era. Welcome to Mars. Subscribe or follow on Apple, Spotify, Google, or at theallymars.com. Because even with the new look, I'm still that same bitch you love to hate. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.